Game of Thrones, right? And I don't know if you get into that. I don't, but um, it seems to be a big thing on TV. It's American fantasy drama movie series about, um, about seven kingdoms and a king. And all the kingdoms are either fighting to stay attached to the king, king and the kingdom, or they're fighting for their freedom away from the king and the kingdom. Uh, and there's a lot of like this constant warring between good and evil and rebellion. And it's like, you know, pretty intense. And choices are made on, on like who we're going to follow. Either we're going to follow the king and be a part of that, or we're going to break off and do our own thing. Which, you know, it's a drama that raises this question, like who's on the throne, right? Which then raises the question for me and you this morning, who's on your throne? Like who is on your throne? All right, that's a good question, isn't it? As Christians, we, we just automatically, it's like auto-response. Well, Jesus is on my throne. Is he? (laughs) Is he really? It's one thing to say he is, isn't it? It's another thing to live it out. We all would say, or most anyone who believes in Jesus and follows Jesus or claims to be a Christian, we would say, yes, Jesus is on the throne of my life, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as we go about our everyday life and we, we are engaged in people and relationships and business and work and decisions and all the stuff that we are involved in in life, is Jesus really on the throne of every detail of my life? We're talking about the throne of your heart, right? The throne of my heart at the very core of my life, like who is in control of me, really? Because it's really easy for me to be in control of me, right? That's the natural thing, is I just make my own way, I make my own decisions, and the natural thing is me to just do what I want. We talked about it this morning in our class, at least I did a lot of the talking. Uh, Don't be conformed, right, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the question is, are we being conformed or are we being transformed? Like, have we consciously, willfully said, God, I'm placing myself under your lordship to be controlled and, and, and motivated and taught by you and your word. Because if you haven't done that, then the world is conforming you into its pattern. That's the only two places you could be. You either are being conformed into the pattern of the world naturally because you live on this planet and stuff is bombarding you from left to right all the time, or you have made a decision that I'm going to put myself under Jesus and he's going to teach me. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to be a follower of Christ. And so I want to share with you a couple truths when we come, when it comes to considering our throne. And number one truth is this, the battle for your throne, the battles are all around us. They are all around us. Everywhere you go, you noticed in the clip, it said enemies to the east, enemies to the west, enemies to the north, enemies to the south. No matter where you go, where you live, how you live, wherever you are, you are being bombarded on every side by the attacks and the battles of the evil one. And nobody is immune. Even if you went and lived on an island, you still have to deal with these things, these battles for who's on the throne of your life, of your heart, right? Of you. I mean, it's a battle that are coming up against us from everywhere. The entire creation is under attack. Sin has created chaos even not just to people, but even to the creation around us, right? Sickness and disease are the work of sin and the evil one. 
God didn't create sickness and disease. They are a part of a fallen world that we live in, a broken world, a sinful world that the enemy is in some form of control over for now. Right? Sickness and disease are the work of the evil one. And people especially are being attacked, right? People that have been made in the very image of God. You know, right? We have a target on our back. With, with a battle, with, with, we, we battle with this, this, this evil one for our soul, right? And so we are encouraged to go at it with eyes wide open, right? Don't just put the blinders on and, and, and mosey on through life, but open your eyes and realize that the devil wants to take you out. I mean, that's where he's after. He's after people that have been made in the image of God, and he's after you. John wrote in John 10.10, and he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? We know that. Jesus came that we would have life abundantly, but the thief came to destroy you. He wants to take you out. Paul said in Romans 8 about the creation that it waits in eager expectation for the Son of God. For the creation was subject, he says, to futility or frustration or vanity, not on its own. This wasn't part of the original creation of God. This happened to the creation, but because of the one who subjected it the sin of man, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage. Even the creation is under attack. And these battles, they, they like appear uh, to us in the forms of physical things, don't they? I mean, they come at us in physical ways, temptations that appeal to your flesh. You know that word, flesh? It's like, gets you going a little. It's like, whoa, flesh. You know, your eyes, your mind right? Flesh, right? Pleasure, sexual things, and mind-altering things, and drugs, and alcohol, and all these fleshly things. Satan's attempt to get you and me to trade our soul for stuff, for door number two. That's all it is, right? That's what it is. Battles, waging war against us all around us from every side. Don't be fooled, right? Do not be fooled. The physical or the visual are just like flesh facades. That's all they really are, you know? If you've chased one of those and you bit into one of those things, you realize that shortly after biting into it, there was nothing there. There was no substance. There was nothing that made you feel right and true and good. It made you feel empty and broken and left you for, 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 for nothing. Right? That's what these things do to us. The spiritual forces behind them are powerful, but the, the physical temptation is so temporary and so fleshly and physical, and it's, it's a false front. But what's behind it is powerful. Paul said these are forces of evil in heavenly realms. This is a powerful thing behind these fleshly temptations. Peter said, waging war against our soul, right? And James said, these are passions that are at war within you. Right? This is from within, these battles that come at us. In 1991, there was a fishing boat called the Andrea Gale. Got a bunch of guys, six guys out sword fishing. In the, uh, of the northern coast, uh, the northern Atlantic, 575 miles out. Big boat, deep seas. When it became lost at sea in this gigantic storm, rescue efforts were made by the National Guard to send in helicopters to lo locate this boat, to find these guys and to rescue them before it was too late. And, a, and a, a helicopter ended up crashing and several of the crew members dying trying to rescue this boat. 
Following the storm, there was a week-long search that was made, right, for this boat and the crew and all six crew members, all the men and the boat was lost at sea, never to be found. This no-named hurricane, nor'easter, had developed over the sea and it absorbed into it a second hurricane, Hurricane Grace, making it a force of devastation that would destroy anything in its path. It was called the perfect storm. They dubbed it the perfect storm, combining a multiple, multiple devastation, disastrous powers, all hitting at the same time from different directions. The battles for your throne are all around you. They're everywhere. Secondly, kingdoms are calling you. Kingdoms are calling you. <laughs> we live on a planet. We live in a world where, where from every direction we're being called to follow all kinds of stuff. In the movie, there's seven kingdoms, but only one king. Did you know that there are approximately 26 monarchies in the world today? A fascinating network of kings and queens and sultans and emperors who rule and reign over 43 countries in all. In this country, there's no king. We live in a democracy, right? Ruled by the people. That's us. But in our lives, there's a king. In our lives, there ought to be a king. There ought to be one king. And he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, right? Kingdoms all around you in a spiritual realm are, 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 are working at you, calling you. And this is what the Lord says in 2 Chronicles. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army. They're everywhere. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Right? And so we hold on to him. And there may be a number of kingdoms on the earth, but there are only really two kingdom forces at work. Right? There's only two kingdoms at work out there. The Bible calls the kingdom of the air, the first one, right? Ephesians 2 says, as for you, Paul writes, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. This is how you used to be before Christ, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Satan, the enemy, the spirit, he says, who is now at work and those who are disobedient. You used to be a part of that kingdom. You used to live in that kingdom. You were naturally just brought into that kingdom. The world just naturally grabbed onto you and sucked you in. And then there's the kingdom of God, that you make a conscious decision that I am going to line myself up with the kingdom of God, and if you don't do that, you are going to be sucked into the kingdom of this air. Most of us remember the Western movies of the past with Clint Eastwood and, and uh, guys like that, John Wayne, Gunsmoke. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. We'll know exactly how old you are. In the middle of the desert, right? In the middle of the desert, right? Were these like Hollywood towns with false fronts, right? Just made it look like a town. And the enemy's kingdoms are just that, false fronts. There's false fronts calling you. The devil creates illusions, illusions of kingdoms. They appear to have fun and fulfillment of all kinds for you to come in and enjoy beckoning you, calling you, come, follow me. Follow this path. Follow this pleasure. Follow this, God. Follow this idol. Calling you to follow from every direction. A shallow depth of enjoyment like bait on a hook. But when the monetary joy passes, 
it leaves people empty and broken and hurting. Hurting and searching because, because only God can fill you with what he created you with, and that's a, a desire for him. That's an understanding of your maker, your creator, the kingdom of God, who, who is real and wants you to be a part of the one who made you, who you originated from. God says our battle is against powers and authorities in heavenly realms. And so when we think about spiritual forces, we think about these things. I think sometimes we think about the idea of spiritual forces. We imagine like this outer space stuff. Like we, I think we just blow it off in some ways. Like some force that's out there somewhere, but not really directly touching me. And that's just not true. It's part of the deception. The Bible talks about a longing and a desire, right? Passions from within us that are triggered by physical things, right? By, by visual things, right? That's why, that's why people pour so much money into commercials. They know the value and the influence of a commercial. That when you see that, that commercial of that new McRib, that you're going to go get in your car and drive to McDonald's. You know, and that's what, you know, that's just goofy, but you know what? That's exactly what's going on. Nike this, Nike that, Puma this, all kinds of commercials, money pumped in, a, a Super Bowl commercial worth millions of dollars. Why would they do that? Because they know how powerful the influence is of you seeing something visual and how that then like pulls the wallet out of your pocket and you start getting on Amazon and buying it. Like how many of you, Raise your hands here. I'm guilty. You saw something on TV and you, you got on your phone and you were like, I got to have that. Amazon. Boom, I'm buying it. How many of you? And, 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 and it's so easy, right? I mean, three clicks and it's, it's on its way to your house. Before you put your phone in your pocket, it's probably at the door. Right? I mean, they're like delivering these things with drones now almost. It's like crazy. But the power, the power of visuals is way stronger, way bigger than we think. And the struggle with, is within us, right? This longing, this desire for that thing, that visual. And the visual is just a thing. And, 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 the, and the thirst for it is so powerful. It's a force that is at work in us. And that's what you got to realize when it comes to the spiritual battles around us, like a, like a faucet of spiritual fluid flowing inside of you. That longing, that craving, that desire, that passion, good or bad, for healthy things or not healthy things. Either way, that's what it is. Sparking this interest in us, like lighting up our brain receptors, getting us excited, like, yeah, I gotta have that thing, right? Like Scooby-Doo, just needing another Scooby snack. I guess what we like, like, ah, I gotta have that crazy. Jesus said, seek his kingdom first, right? And his righteousness. Like that's, that's what we should do, right? The kingdoms are calling you. Things are pulling at you from every direction. Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Steady the ship. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness. And everything else you need will be added to you along the way. No worries. And so when we do that, when we seek his kingdom first, from within us flow rivers of living water that influence our longings and our desires and our passions. And then we get fired up about God's kingdom calling us to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we get excited about what matters to him. When we don't, 
when we chase after or are enticed by this passage here in James, when we're enticed by the world's kingdoms, those rivers are powerfully flowing in us as well. Right? Enticing, dragging, destroying like sheep to the slaughter. The kingdoms of this world, spiritual forces of evil enticing you, enticing us, the flesh. And so the question is, what, what is enticing you? Like really, what, what, just for a minute, get real with God, what is enticing you? Every, every one of us have our weak spots. Nobody's immune. We all are fleshly people, and we may be winning the battles in a lot of categories, but there's a few we're not. There's a few we're getting beat down with. If we're honest with ourselves, we, we could say, I know exactly what entices me. And I fight that battle every day because it's true. And here's what James says about this in James chapter 1. He says, each person, me, you, is tempted when they are dragged away, get this, by their own desires. This is like the, the enemy putting in me this desire, not the physical thing. It's a desire that's bubbling within me, wanting something, and then, boom, there it is, fleshly, and it's visual, and then it connects, and I want it. And he says, by their own evil desire, and enticed means to be allured, enticed or entrapped, deluded, like, like cheese in a mousetrap, pulled away, enticed. Kingdoms. Kingdoms are calling you. Number three is this. In the game of thrones, everything or everyone, everyone has a choice. Every one of us has a choice. She said in the clip, she said, you, you have a choice. We all have a choice and you have made yours. We've got to make ours, right? So it's true. Lots of kingdoms pulling at us means lots of choices that can be made. You ask anybody, you go out in the streets, you watch a video of, of somebody out there asking people, what are you chasing? What are you chasing? Like if we ask that question in this room, what are you chasing? Like our first answer would be like, I'm chasing God. Yes, you are. But what are you really chasing? Money, right? Career, job, family. Treasures, power, popularity, good causes, religion, tranquility, bliss. What are you chasing? See, everyone has a choice of what they're going to chase. Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. God clearly says, you get to decide. That's what free will is all about, right? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, that means anyone. Choose to come or choose not to come. We all have a choice to make. People are building their lives either on the foundation of God and his rock or the world in the sand. Free will is about choice, right? Don't you love the scene in the, the movie, The Raiders of the Lost Ark? When they get to the cave, when, when Andy gets to the cave and he goes through all those obstacles and he finally goes in the cave and there's that old knight standing there and he can barely lift the sword. Remember that scene? What a cool scene. Isn't that so awesome? And all the chalices, the holy grails are just lined up everywhere. And then the bad guy comes in with the lady, you know, with the, the girl. And the knight, says, um, uh, the knight says, choose wisely. The right chalice will bring you life. And the wrong chalice will bring you death. And the bad guy with the gun picks and drinks. And then he, like, disintegrates into nothing. Remember that scene? It was like, oh. And the knight says, he chose poorly. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he chose poorly. And then Indy picks up the cup, this humble, humble cup of a carpenter, right? This humble cup doesn't look like much, it's just a cup. And he drinks, and the knight says, you have chosen wisely. So we all have a choice to make. And we only can, we can't mess it up. We can't mess it up. There's no room for error. And the wise choice is to resist the worldly kingdoms that are calling you. Right? Make a good choice and submit to the kingdom of God. Let's look at a passage real quick in James chapter 4. If you would open your Bibles, James 4. James hits on this really well. In James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, James says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your, your, your desires? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? That's where the battle is, right? Inside us. Kingdoms are calling us inside us. We have to make decisions within us. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill, you covet. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Do you not have, uh, you do not have because you do not ask God, and when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, right? Deep down within you. You may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow, he just said everything I've just been saying, right? Like just flesh, kingdoms calling us, making decisions and choices, battles that wage all around us. But then in verse 4 to, four to 6, here's what he's about to say. He's about to say, you know, we say one thing, but we do another. We say we're believers. We say Jesus is on the throne, but when we live our lives, that's just not true. Our actions are not supporting our, our faith and our belief system and what we say to people. Look what he says. Verse 4, you adulterous people. This is pretty strong stuff, too. He says, you adulterous people. That, that's, that's pretty in your face. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or hostility against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Wow, isn't that good? Like the spirit of God that lives in you wants and yearns for its connection with its creator, but the things of the flesh and the earth are getting in the way because we let them. By our will, we let them. We choose them. And the Spirit is unable to communicate with its creator and author because of the flesh of us that we allow to rise up. And he calls these people adulterous because they have exchanged their love for God for their love for things. Stuff. Because they've made a choice. And their choice verbally is God, but in reality is not. And goes on to say, God opposes the proud. He shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Verse 7, here it is. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's what we are. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. 
Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Submit means to like obey, to let Jesus be Lord, to make a conscious decision to say, I'm going to put myself under his lordship. He is my savior. I will live my life for him. The problem is we want to be reliant on ourselves. Pride gets in the way. We want to call the shots. We want to be the master of our universe. We don't want someone else telling us what to do. Resist means to stand against, to oppose, to battle against, to fight against something. And many times we're fighting against God. We're resisting God. That's what the word enmity meant. Hostility. We are fighting against God and we don't even realize it because we're chasing after the things of the world by the choices we make. It's really about the throne, okay? It's not about like the physical things. Often the choice isn't about other kingdoms, even blind people's sin. It's not about temptations and physical things around us calling us, but it's about who is king, who is king of your heart. We want to be on our throne. We want to be on the throne. And of all the choices that are made, most of them are temporary, aren't they? All the choices we make in this world can be adjusted, right? They change as along the paths of life. Things change and we do things differently. These choices come and go. They are temporary. But the choice of who is king of your throne, this choice is eternal. It's eternal. And every one of us have a choice. We all have a choice to make. So when it comes to the truth about the th your throne, the battles are all around you. The kingdoms are calling you. All of us must choose. And finally this, number four, you win or you die. That's it. You win or you die. I love the line in the, vi in the video. I don't know if you caught it. It said, the great war is here. The great war is here. You know, along life's journey, there's a lot of games that are played. A lot of games that people play, a lot of games that we play. We get caught up in them, we get sucked into them, and we play the games with everyone else. But when it comes to the reality of life, right, and death and eternity, it's no longer a game, is it? It's not a game. It's for real, and it's forever. That's the thing about death. You know, you've been to a funeral, somebody passes away. We just recently, in the last couple of weeks, buried Trisha's dad. And, and it gets real, doesn't it? It gets very real. Very real. When you put someone in the ground, it gets very real. And we get a glimpse just for those moments or that period in time, for that day of what forever is like and the realization that you will never see them again. At least, at least on the earth, right? If you're in Jesus, we know we will see them again. But we get a real eye-opening experience when, when we realize, when we are like face-to-face -face with someone's death and we realize, I will never see my mom again. I will never see my dad again. Not on this side. It's real. You know, it's real. Very, very real. There's this finality about death, at least in our flesh. You know, we feel that. We feel that. This is the reality about eternity. And it should bring about in us a sense of like urgency and finality and importance, right? We either choose right and we gain Christ and we have eternal life and we live or we die, eternally separated from life and truth and our maker forever. That's it. 
Those are the two options. There's no waiting room. There's no purgatory. When you leave the earth, you enter eternity. And it's final. Hebrews 9, 27, the writer writes, Just as man is appointed to die once, and after that to face the judgment. Jesus spoke of the coming wrath and the day of judgment many times. Paul wrote in Romans 2, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. It's coming. Romans 14 says, Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Ephesians says, Everyone will stand before God in judgment one day soon. Matthew said, On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. 2 Corinthians 5 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Matthew 24 says, No one knows the day or the hour. There's only two kingdoms, and one leads to death, and one leads to life. You win or you die. You win or you die. And the very good news for all of mankind is simple. Romans 8 says it like this, Therefore there is now no condemnation. There is no wrath. There is no judgment of hell for those who are in Christ Jesus. We win. In Jesus, you win. In Jesus, we are free. In Jesus, our debt is paid. And the problem with the other kingdom is that you remain in your sin there. And one day, you're going to stand before the Creator, and you're going to have to give an account, and you're going to have to have your sins paid for, and you don't have what it takes. You and I, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. The world needs Jesus. That's the good news, is that there's hope in the midst of the despair, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the coming judgment, in the midst of you will win or you will die, there is good news. Romans, or Acts 4.12 says it like this, salvation is found in no one else. No one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men. Buddha did not die and rise again for you. Krishna did not die and rise again for you. There is no other idol, religion, or God that came to this earth and died for you and rose again for you. Only Jesus. There's only one kingdom that gives life. And that's the kingdom of God. He gives us the victory. And the victory is in his name. The victory is in his name. There's only one king and there's only one kingdom. And he is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised and honored, right? The day, that day is coming. And it's coming soon. And on that day, we will either win or we will die. We will either win eternally with eternal life or we will die forever separated from our creator and our maker. And that day is coming, and it's coming soon. And all that matters is this. Who is on your throne? Who is on the throne of your life? And is he really? Father, we love you so much. In the midst of the, the, the attack of the enemy and the world that's been taken over by evil, and all the thrones that are being thrown out in the world for people to, to grab onto and idols and false gods and false religions and false truths and lies that are out there that people grab onto, God, in the midst of it all, you have come for us. You have come to this earth on a rescue mission for your people, for people that have been made in the image of you, our Creator. And Father, I pray 
I pray that you will burn in our hearts a deep desire to make sure, to be sure that we are crying out to you, asking you, longing for you, mm-hmm. desiring those inner passions for you to be on the throne of our life, that you would be Lord and control of everything we think, everything we do, everything that we are. That you would open our eyes, God, and help us to see the attacks all around us and those that have fallen for those lies. And we'd go chasing after them. Father, that we would take what we know and the power that is in with us, the Spirit of God living in us, crying out for you, and we would march out into the world and share the good news with others. Father, give us vision, give us insight, give us a calling that we would follow you into the world. We love you so much, Lord. You're so good to us. And we give you all the praise and all the honor and the glory. Walk with us today, we pray in Jesus' name.